two, the interlude with Drew. What's going on, everybody? This is Andrew McCain. Welcome to another episode of the interlude with Drew. Now, today I have a very, very special guest. This is my friend, my brother. You have to know him by now. If you follow me, you probably see some of his posts on my Insta story every single day because it's always full of wisdom, always full of insight and a word from the Lord. This is Evangelist Reverend Victor Jackson. My brother, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm excited to be a part, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is a true honor and a pleasure because he's so... Uh, he's in such high demand that I'm so glad we were able to get this time to sit and talk. So I want to go ahead and get started. So my first question is, how was 2020 for you? You know, 2020 was was uh, undeniably uh, a great year for introspection. Uh, with all the distractions that have taken place in 2020. I'm always intentional about what can I as an individual learn from this. Yes, sir. And so um, there were many things about myself that uh, God revealed to me um, that I needed to fix, that I needed to get better at. Uh, and he just taught me a lot about myself, taught me a lot about how I needed to respond in this hour. Uh, it was a, it was a difficult year, but also it was a year to reassess how we're we're supposed to impact the world. Yes, sir. And uh, I got a post that I'm probably going to put sometime this week that we cannot complain that that we can complain about the world or change the world, but we can't do both. Wow. Wow, that's so true. And so, and so, so true. I'm probably going to be posting that sometime this week or next week because the world's just going to be the world. Yeah. And the church is so focused on the world that we're missing our assignment that we're supposed to be doing to help navigate uh, change and transformation in, that, in the world. So I've just been preparing, I've just been praying. So it's just been a very, uh, uh, very introspective year and I, I believe i came out of the year better than i went in praise god yeah that, that's that's great i was also going to ask you like what was your biggest lesson but it seems like that that would be the biggest lesson that you learned from uh 2020 that's awesome well you know i i feel like my my biggest lesson was that you have to uh I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what it was, you know, everyone, whoever people were in 2020, 2020 just magnified it. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether good or bad, it just mm -hmm. was magnified. And so for me and my ministry, I always push uh, loving your neighbor as yourself, right. uh, loving your enemies, loving one another, uh, that the, Jesus died for everybody. Uh, no matter your political affiliation, no matter where you are, Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. That's been, I've, I've stood there my whole ministry. Right, right. But it was amazing to me when all this tension happened that I was just who I am and was talking about love, but it seemed so countercultural 
that even some people in the church, you know, were surprised by the message of love. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and so that was surprising. I'm like, man, we got some work to do because if we're going to change this world and make an impact, uh, we need to get back to the fundamentals and the basics of the word of God. And so I'm leaving. I love 2020 knowing that God's word is true, that uh, we are going to make an impact and a change on this world. Uh, but also understanding that everyone doesn't have the same thought process when they feel threatened. Right, right. right. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, with that humanity, with the flesh, when people feel threatened, they just want to retaliate. Right. And uh, a, a writer named uh, Sherwood Ligenfelter said that whenever people are growing and trying to mature and become like Christ, they said in tense moments, people go back to their default culture. Wow. Yeah. Peter did it. Yeah. That's so true. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. they go back, they go back to their default culture. Like, mm -hmm. like they're growing, they're learning, they're learning to love and do this. But when the tension happens, people revert back to their default culture. And, and that default culture is how they were raised, uh, whatever their ethnicity was, uh, whatever their ethnicity is, they revert back to uh, their home traits instead of spiritual traits. Wow. Yeah, so, that's true. So, so when tense moments happen, we got to let the default not be our fleshly man, but let it be the spiritual man. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very, that's very deep. Because when you think about it, that you could do your best to try to be, you know, change, but a lot of times without you realizing it, in those moments, the, the flesh will just pop up and take over. Oh, man, it, it's crazy. It's like a quarterback, you know, those quarterback, if a quarterback wants to change something in his throw, you know, in the offseason, he's going to work all offseason to change that. Yeah. And so by the end of the offseason, he's got it perfected, right? Right, right. Until that that preseason game comes and that 350 pound <laughs> lineman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is about to smack you. Watch this. And when he's about to smack you, you revert back to the old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Get, yeah. That's what happened. Yep. It's like we're all growing and learning and like, man, we're getting this down. We're working together. We love one another. But mm -hmm. then the tension happened. People reverted back to the old thing in panic. But we need to just get enough of the word of God and enough saturated with the spirit where the, our default culture is that transforming nature of Jesus Christ. Absolutely, uh, It is the fruits of the spirit. And so we got a task ahead of us. But I'm excited for the challenge. I'm excited for the opportunity to get to teach and preach things to help strengthen the body uh, to get where we're supposed to be. And that is a light to the world, loving, loving, broken people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, a lot of people will see you, you know, in person, in a, in a preaching, in a service, or they'll see you on social media or even in an interview like this. And think that you've always been exactly the way that you are now. But your story is that you didn't start out in church. Um, you were born in Louisiana, correct? 
Yes, sir. Can you uh, just give us a brief synopsis of like your beginnings, how, you know, how you grew up and what it was like growing up and everything like that? Yeah, my I was born in a, in a small city named uh, Eunice, Louisiana. Uh, spent the first seven years of my life there. Uh, then we moved to Lafayette, Louisiana. And in Lafayette, Louisiana was where uh, I was raised until I was 18 years old. Then I went to Florida on uh, college basketball scholarship and got saved in Florida, been in Florida ever since. But in Louisiana, um, you know, my, my upbringing, it was a, a tormentous or torrentous uh, upbringing. Uh, uh, what's the word I want to look for? Uh, tumultuous yeah, upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, just very moving from place to place, abusive. You know, I had stepdad that abused me growing up, you know, physical, physical, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, psychological, uh, any, any way you can think about it. That was really my upbringing. And uh, there, but there was always something in me. My family didn't go to church. There was always something in me that desired uh, God and to be in the presence of God. Uh, And literally uh, I was so hungry for God that after my mom and stepdad got divorced when I was 11, you know, I wound up, you know, walking to church by myself. You know, I was wow. started going to church, uh, but really the thing I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to church all the time, but I had that hunger, but the outlet from the pain, from the abuse, from it all was basketball. Mm-hmm. And so I just gave my life to basketball, uh, you know, put in hours in every day, just uh, drills, uh, traveling across the nation uh, with AAU basketball. And it was an outlet for me. Uh, and there are some traits there that looking back in retrospect, I see that really uh, the biggest thing I could say I got from basketball is perseverance. Wow. Uh, the first thing that they teach you in sports is overcoming adversity. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, didn't realize it. Now I've been born again of the water and the spirit. I have that spiritual perseverance, uh, but also a physical perseverance, meaning like, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just going to quit. Like yeah. I'm not a person that's just going to throw in the towel and just be like, Oh, uh, you know, Oh no, I, I can't do it. You know, I'm going to keep trying. And so, uh, it, basketball was an outlet for me, but then when I came to Christ, uh, was born again of the water and of the spirit. Uh, it, it revealed to me that, you know, basketball wasn't enough to uh, fill these holes in my life. Right. Uh, basketball, you know, in that environment and uh, the affirmation and the achievements of, in, in college athletics could not heal my soul. And so, God just told me to give it up, and here I am. So how were you led to Christ? So so what happened is I was on a Bible study. Um, I was walking the cam- around the campus going to uh, the library, and on my way to the library, 
there was a Bible study taking place over under an oak tree. Uh, this Bible study was led by someone named Joe Campatella. Have you ever oh, heard yeah. of Joe Campatella? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so Joe Campatella was the chaplain of this CMI campus ministry, and he just called out, "Hey, you want to learn about Jesus?" Well, he didn't know that I was hungry. I tried five different churches my first month there, um, and uh, I went to the Bible study. Went to the Bible study and started talking about receiving the Holy Ghost. Uh, I went to church. Uh, I said, man, what church do you go to? They started talking about the Holy Ghost. They're like, so Harbor First Pentecostal Church. They said, can you pick me up Sunday? Pick me up that Sunday. Brought me to church. Received the Holy Ghost that Sunday. Uh, started going uh, faithfully. And after being in church for about six months, uh, uh, Danae Richardson, she is the one that actually paid uh, my way to go to Youth Congress. Okay. okay. Um, for um, uh, NAYC uh, that was in Nashville, Tennessee. So I was un- undeserving. Didn't know that anybody paid for me to go. I didn't even know what what that was. But her and another sister in the church paid for. Uh, me to go to this uh, youth congress and it was there that God called me to the ministry and so the Richardsons have always been uh, incredibly incredibly kind to me going above and beyond being nice and so I helped uh, serve her on the platform she's the music director so I would print and type and get all the service schedules together and I would uh, serve her in that capacity uh, every week. So she was always amazingly kind. So sometimes they would open up their home for me. Uh, um, and, and the, on the, like a Saturday night or, or, a, uh, a Sunday after service, let me, uh, stay in the guest room, uh, and just being just above and beyond. She cooked meals for the basketball team. I had the whole basketball team come to church. Wow. She made a meal for the whole basketball team. So, uh, Danae and uh, the Barnum family have always been incredibly kind to me. That's awesome. And um, so, I, I, you know, we went to Souls Harbor maybe two, three years ago now, and they were talking about how, like, when you first got saved, like, you were just so hungry and you would uh, watch old tapes of preaching and, and just be consumed by preaching. Um, who who were some of the preachers that you used to watch and, and really, like, you know, in, indulge in their messages and learn from? Yeah, uh, when I first got in, I, I really didn't uh, watch preaching, but I did listen to it because I was okay, working yeah, on yeah, a golf yeah, course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would. I was working on a golf course maintenance outside, miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, barely surviving. I mean, you could see my rib cage, bro. I lost like fifteen, <laughs> twenty pounds. Oh man. Uh, and so there was. It was a variety of messages. Really, it wasn't particular uh, preachers. It was particular messages that that impacted me. Right. Uh, and one of those messages were was uh, by Calvin Jean. He pastors in Salem, mm-hmm. Illinois. And it was a message called um, "Protecting Your Anointing." Okay. And man, and he talked about the apothecary and 
you know, how they made the ointments and what it all represents. And I listened to that message. So the type of person I am, that if I, if there's a, a message like that, that makes an impact on me, I'm probably going to listen to it over 50 times. Wow. So, so Calvin Jean, I listened to that message probably 90 times. Oh man. I know, I know that message by heart. Wow. Protecting your anointing. And man, those messages literally kept me and ministered to me. I wasn't listening to it to learn anything. I was listening to it to survive. Right. Right. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I'm listening to just make it mm-hmm. because, because I was, you know, when you leave your whole life behind, uh, when you leave your whole life behind, so you left your friends, you lost, you left your, you left your lifestyle and you come into an environment and God is just stripping you of everything that you know, and, and literally reducing me down to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, bro, that's a painful, that's a painful place to be. Absolutely. You know, it was kind of like the best way I can describe it. And I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, but, but the best way I could describe it is that, you know, when Stephen preached about Moses in Acts 7, he said that Moses was a man of mighty words and deeds in Egypt. Yeah. And so Moses had an oratory gift in Egypt. And, and the Bible, the Bible says that he killed that Egyptian, Stephen preaching. He says that Moses slew that Egyptian, supposing that Israel might understand that by his hands, he was their deliverer, but they understood it not. Mm-hmm. Meaning Moses knew he was called, knew he was chosen, but he killed that Egyptian in his own strength and the strength of his oratory and the strength of his background. He killed that Egyptian. Uh, he thought that him killing them, that that they were going to overcome the Egyptians like a mighty army, like he was going to be this head general. And so he killed them in the strength of his oratory. So God put Moses into a 40-year broken season. And mm-hmm. in that broken season, God stripped down Moses' oratory down to a, 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 a mm-hmm. stutter. Yeah. And God said, I can do more with your stutter than I can do with your oratory. Wow. He he stripped down the hyperbole. He stripped down the similes and the metaphors. He stripped him down to a dependency mm-hmm. where the only way he can get the assignment from God done would be with God and with his brother wow. because his brother would translate. And so God reduced us, reduces us to a dependency upon God and our brothers and sisters in the church where that's wow. the only way we can get the will of God done. So that was my broken season where God stripped me of all my independency that I had in my college experience and in basketball, thinking that I can do it by myself. And he reduced me to him. And while I'm being broken, those words like uh, Calvin Jean protecting your anointing and Wayne Huntley, the stigma of the supernatural, uh messages like that are, are things that help me get up another day at four o'clock in the morning to go work on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible. So like it, it it's it's very interesting that you would say you weren't listening to these messages like 
per se to learn how to preach or to, you know, kind of study their style. You were doing it literally to survive. And that's uh, just bro, the I, season that you were in. That's it. I, literally, uh, I did it to, to make it. And, and I'd be crying, you know, I'm in the bunkers, you know, the little sand pits on the golf course and I'm cleaning out these sand pits and I'm just literally weeping in tears saying, God, I left everything for you. Or are you even going to open a door? Are you wow. even going to do what you told me that you would do? And so, uh, um, and so it, it was, it was literally a, it was a wilderness experience that lasted three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I'm thankful for it because it formed me and it, and it, and it, and it, it postured me uh, to be who I am and what I am today. And that is a person that is dependent and that uh, appreciates all the gifts in the body of Christ. And I understand that we need these unique gifts to fulfill uh, the mission in the, in this hour. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, that's so you know, that's so, so deep to, to realize that because everyone is, everyone that's used by God has to go through a wilderness season first or a hidden season first. Even Jesus was hidden for years before he actually began his public ministry. So a lot of people, like I said, will see you on the stages at youth Congress and, and preaching everywhere, and they won't understand what it took to get you know, where you are. So I'm glad that we have this opportunity to talk about, you know, what you had to go through prior to God elevating you, because it wasn't too long after you were saved that you got the call to preach, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I was saved for about so March, April, May, June, July, August. I, I was in church five months and, and I was teaching Bible studies. After I got saved within eight weeks, I was teaching Bible studies on campus uh, every week. And uh, people were getting saved, had the church bus coming to pick students up, bringing the whole basketball team to the church, reserved three rows. Uh, The coaches came. I had an amazing influence at that college. For some reason, I still have influence at that college. They they haven't forgotten me. They'll call me, uh, they'll call me, like about a year ago, uh, the head coach called me and said, hey, uh, there's a there's a, a player from South Carolina who's here, 6'9", uh, 6'9 forward, mm-hmm. who's going through a tough time. He said, I want you to talk to him because I think he needs to be baptized in Jesus' name. Wow, wow. Yeah, for yeah. some, and bro, you know what I mean? And so somehow my, number one, I was the captain of that team. Okay. Uh, what? Somehow with my leadership there, number one, number two, them literally witnessing up close my transformation. Yeah, yeah, the change. You know, it, it made a, a resounding impact. The last organized basketball game that I had gone to was the last one I played. Okay, okay. You know, and so I haven't even been in that environment, in that setting or yeah. that environment, you know, in over a decade. And so – wow. Um, and so they, and for some reason, uh, uh, some reason God, God gave me uh, that type of favor. And so God called me to the ministry. And uh, that year when God called me to the ministry, that was uh, 09. And then it was a year later that 
where God taught me how to preach was, I'll never forget this. I was in a prayer meeting and in this prayer meeting, I'm praying literally by myself. I'm so broken, Andrew, because uh, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm barely surviving. I'm yeah. by myself. My whole family lives in Louisiana. Okay. And they're pulling on me. You need to come home. Like they ostracized me. They hated me for giving up basketball, you know? Yeah. And so I have no friends, nothing. And I'm so desperate in prayer, living paycheck to paycheck. My car's breaking down all the time. And I went after God in prayer. And all of a sudden, when I went after God in this deep uh, dimension in prayer, like my voice changed in prayer. Wow. And it's like an angel took coal off the altar and put it on my tongue. Mm. And all of a sudden, my voice got intense and my voice changed. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I started praying like that more aggressively. Wow. And that's how my preaching ministry wow. came. Literally, wow. how I preach is how I pray intensely. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, the, my prayer life just overflowed into my preaching ministry. Wow. Wow. And that's, that's really how yeah. I got the, the rhythms and the way that I flow in a message is it, it, it's really just how God talks to me. And I'm just giving to you what I got from God in my private time. Wow. That makes so much sense because like it just observing the way how you preach, like you'll start off talking similar to how you're talking now. And then once you get intense, it's like a totally different voice. And now, now that you say it, it makes, it makes a whole lot of sense. That's, that's powerful. So yeah, it's just like a desperation. There's just a, a, a desperate, I think that that's born out of a desperate moment. Right. And uh, I remember my first time I got to preach in front of the church for about 15 minutes. I preached on a burden from heaven. And when I got up, I started talking. And then the Lord said, hold on. That ain't how you was talking to me in the prayer room. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and so that's when I just went into it, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 that's really that's really just how it happened. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. So you're 30 years old, same age as I am. And it, it just seems like you have so much maturity, so much wisdom. And, you know, the word of God says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of the father. Is this something that you particularly asked for or was this something that was given to you as a gift? Um, you know, um, I, I think that when God break, breaks you down into such a capacity. And these are great questions, man. Thank, thank you for amazing questions, bro. Absolutely. Uh, love what you're doing, man. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I think when God breaks you down to a dependency, you do not move on your own accord unless he gives you permission. Wow. Okay. Yep. And, and so how I pray my my prayers are submissive prayers where i'm just like god you know i submit to your will i don't want my way i want your way your way is better than my way and i think if when i stay in that posture god god trusts me with things because 
He knows I'm not going to use it to try to build up myself or build up my kingdom or, or build up, build something for me, but I'm going to use what he gives me to just help other people without expecting anything in return. Right. Right. And so I feel like he trusts me with certain revelation and wisdom because he knows it's coming in safe hands that I want, I want people I'm here to edify people that they be what God wants them to be and thrive more than I could ever thrive. I hope people do better than I could ever be. And my my role is to just meet the needs and just try to give a word to help people get on that path with God where God wants to take them, uh, where it may be different than he's taking me, but I appreciate their gifts so much and know that if the body of Christ, if the whole body of Christ was like Victor Jackson, the body of Christ would shrivel up and die. Right, right. But it's our uniqueness and, and that individuality that people have that God uses to edify the body. And so I think it just comes from staying in the posture of reading the word. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I, I got to get on. I got to get on your you, you version. Uh, streaks. You're the one with the U version streaks, bro. Yeah, God had to break me down, I guess. Oh. <laughs> I'm close to 100 now, though. I'm I'm almost I'm working my way back up, <laughs> bro. And man, you need to talk about that discipline too, bro, because that is that is amazing. Because I use U version as well to uh, stay on a Bible plan, and I think the Word of God gives you that wisdom. Uh, and I think some of these things are gifts. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel yeah. like God gave me, just got to be honest, I, I feel like God gave me, you know, uh, the the gift. Uh, if, if if preaching is a gift, I just think that God gave me that gift. You yeah. know what I mean? Absolutely. I don't, Absolutely. I don't believe that there's much that I could do to earn, earn that, mm-hmm. no matter how much I pray or and study. I think that God just kind of gave me that gift because it, I guess it's something that, he needed his body to have and revelation. I think God just kind of has given me some type of gift of revelation to cause yeah. me to see things in unique ways. So I think some of those things are gifts. Definitely. Definitely. So being that, being that, you know, you, you, you've alluded to the fact that you spend a lot of time in prayer, hearing from God and God speaking to you, what is your process like when you're preparing a message? Like, let's say, you know, that you have to go somewhere like, you know, you're going to Connecticut where I am in a couple of days. What do you do um, as far as praying, as far as studying? What What is your process like when you're preparing a message? So so I tell people that, you know, I, I spend more time preparing the messenger than I do preparing the message. Wow. Wow. Yep. <laughs> That's really my 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 secret is like. Uh, I want to make sure that me and God are good, you know, you know what I mean? I want to make sure me and his relationship is in right standing so he can have his way through me. Right. My my process is to make sure my flesh is out of the way so he can just flow like he wants to flow. So that's in prayer, uh, that's in fasting, that's in, um, that's in uh, reading. And 
I, I read because I read through the Bible so so much. You know, I have a handle on the Word of God. Yes, uh, I have a handle. Like you know, you 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 mentioned something about you you mentioned to me anything in Genesis. I'm sure I can find that chapter. I can give you that chapter any moment in Genesis. I can pretty much give you that chapter like right now. Yeah, you know, because I've read it so much, and so what what it is is that I'm, as I'm praying for people and praying for these places that I'm going, I'm wondering, I'm praying and asking God, what do these people need? And He may uh, give me some direction. And when He gives me direction, I have such a handle on the entirety of Scripture. Meaning, what I mean by a handle just meaning I know it through and through right right you know i i'm able to uh minister uh after after getting that word so i just right. read a, i read the bible man i read the bible a lot I, I use a lot of you know biblical theology which is just interpreting the text by the text mm-hmm. you know most of my preaching is you can get what i'm saying just by the text alone i don't need to bring out extra resources. I don't need to bring out commentaries, uh, but you can understand it because I use the text to interpret the text. And, um, and I think it's just about, I think my gift is trying to figure out what is the right word in this season. Right. Okay. That is what, that's the bulk of my, my prayer is God, what is the right word for these people in this season? Because it's not just about preaching something great or dynamic, because you preach something great and dynamic at the wrong time, it's not going to be effective. Right, right. That's so you true. And, yeah. and it's going to look like you're great, but the people weren't ministered to. And mm-hmm. if the people weren't ministered to, well, I failed. Yes. And so sometimes, bro, God will give me a very simple word and he's like, it's not profound. This is just simple. But this is the simplicity that these people need to be set free. Wow. So I'll just preach that simplicity, but the results are just amazing. Yeah. So what I do is just obey whatever. It could be the most simple thing. I'll do it. Or, or and so like for general conference in 2019, you know, the Lord, I, I had a word for the for the movement. Yes. I had a word for the movement. But the Lord said, Victor, this word that I'm giving you is for the movement, but I don't want you to preach that right now. Wow. He said, I need you to meet the need right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, there's, there's just a need. And so he said, so he gave me a different word. But he said, this isn't the word right now. Yes, you have the word for the body, but they don't need that word right now. Right now, yeah. So he said, what I need you to do is just meet the need. Mm-hmm. Meet the need and get out of the way. That's pretty much my my ministry. I just meet the need and get out of the way. Wow. Yeah, that's powerful because it, a lot of times people that preach and minister, a lot of times we can spend so much time trying to study and not, like you said, preparing the message messenger rather than the message that you know we get so eloquent in what we say that it's not 
having the impact that God intends. So that I'm glad that you said that because, you know, a lot of times you, especially for people that preach a lot, like you do, I feel like maybe you can get into the habit of reading the word of God to preach rather than reading the word of God, just being a, a, a Christian and a disciple and filling yourself mm. with the word of God, you know, instead of just doing it just to preach. So that's very powerful. So good. So good. And, and I think because I keep the word of God in that context, that I, I needed to transform me. I think the power of my ministry comes out of being a Christian right. first, being someone that wants to please God. Uh, it's being someone that loves my family. Yes. Uh, uh, I think the that. Let me. Well, I'm gonna tell you this. And I'm in, I'm enjoying talking to you, and I apologize if I'm rambling. Okay. No, 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 no. It's been great. It's been great. But but I, I want to say this. I think the greatest thing that when I was working at 4 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day, working 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday and Sundays, then hurry up and go get dressed and go to church. Yeah. Uh, the greatest thing that I learned there is how to be normal. Wow. You see, and so, and so with me, I thrive, I can thrive in the mundane. I don't need an event. I don't need a, a conference. I don't need a, a service. I learned how to love the process of normality. Wow. Yep. You see, and, 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 and because of that, I, I don't need, you see, the, the greatest downfall of Samson was Samson was good at big moments, but he didn't know how to live life day to day. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. See, he, he could do the big moments great, but in the day to day life, he failed. Solomon had the biggest sacrifice in the Old Testament. Bro, bro, he his sacrifice was so huge, the inner court couldn't even contain it. Right, right. It, it spilled out into the outer court. Yeah. He was making so many sacrifices that God said, man, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to give it to you. Right, yeah, yeah. It was the biggest sacrifice, but he did one big sacrifice, and he got one big gift, but his day-to-day -day life was a failure. That's so true, yeah. And so what my focus is that if I can have my day-to-day -day life together, making sure I'm spending time with my family, uh, I'm, I'm meeting the needs of my wife, I'm spending time with my son, we're playing family games. Yes. If, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I get that daily life together as a, and have a Christian household uh, doing family devotion, then that is going to spill out that authenticity is going to spill out in these moments. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is what you do day to day and not you, not what you do in moments. Right. Right. And it's like what, what I said, you know, you can, you can sacrifice your way into an anointing, but you must obey your way into a relationship. Wow. Wow. And, and, and obedience is better than sacrifice. It is. Absolutely. So some people can do like a seven day fast and get an anointing, but God's like, hold on. You forgot about me the eighth day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yep. for me, it's just like trying to live a daily life pleasing to God.
and yes. and and when you do that, there's going to be mundane moments. There's going to be moments that nothing interesting happens. But what my process taught me in my wilderness was to love that process, you know. And 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 I tell people there's three stages of growth. Number one, when God gives you a promise, there's three stages of growth. Number one, uh, you're gonna be frustrated because you see how far you are from the promise. Right. After you get frustrated, you mature into the dimension of learning to be content where you are. Mm -hmm. And when you learn to be content, you learn to be content working the nine to five. You learn to be content. You're not losing sight of where you're headed because contentment is not complacency. That's true. You're not losing sight of where you're headed. You know where you're headed, but you're happy where you are. Then once you get that learning to be content, that gives birth to God calling you to come out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Because now you got comfortable with that. And God's like, hey, remember, you only did that because I'm trying to take you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I've learned to be content. And and so I, I just I just love the day to day. And I think that gives power into the moments. Absolutely. So you you alluded to it. You're you're very big into family, which is the first ministry. And it's it's, it's so it's so great to see because you you travel with your family everywhere that you go. Talk about how important that is to have them there with you, whether you're preaching at a small church or a big event, you always make sure that your family is coming with you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the foundation uh, of, of my ministry, is the foundation of my effectiveness. Uh, people need, need to see, you know, men and women of God uh, as knowing how to be a good husband, a good wife, you know, a good father, a good mother. Yes. Uh, so many times there's this detachment where this is their ministry and this is their family. Wow. It, it's so true. It's like, yeah. this is them, but, oh, oh, yeah, th- that's the family. But for us, you know, my family travels with me 95% of the time. You know, my son is five years old. Uh, he's been on well over 450 flights. Wow! You know, <laughs> you know he's executive platinum with American Airlines. Yeah. Uh, you know, my my wife's executive platinum with American Airlines. We travel together, and and because I don't want to have an identity apart from my family. You know, it's our identity. Yes, sir. It, it's it's we do this. We do this together. So my wife, uh, at every church that we go to, man, she's the first one to go lay hands on people in the altar. Yeah, yeah. She prays people through to the Holy Ghost. She prays for people. She intercedes with people. Uh, she has a, a gift for laying laying hands on people. She's walking through holding my son's hand. She's holding his hand while mm-hmm. she's going lay hands on people. And that's wow. just a beautiful thing to me. Absolutely. You know, that's just, Absolutely. That's just a beautiful thing to me. And so when I go places now, you know, sometimes they're not even excited to see me. They, they're excited to see my wife, Yeah. you know, yeah. and, and then sometimes they're not excited to see me or my wife. They just want to see my son, James Asher. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's so incredible. it's, you know, and so it's like, cause when they see me, they see my family, yes. you know, they see us and, and, 
I think leading, when you're leading families, uh, it's good to have an example on how to be uh, a godly father um, and a godly husband. Uh, and I think, I think those, are, it, those are crucial founding blocks uh, to effectiveness of ministry. And I think people need to, need to see that. Definitely. Definitely. So you, you, you kind of brought it up. So last year, before we started the interview, you were kind of sharing with me how often you traveled, even though that a lot of things got canceled. Can you share that with those that are uh, listening and then talk about on a regular year, like 2019, how much you traveled then? So, so in, in 2020, you know, um, I had 97 services canceled, 97 wow. service cancellations. Uh, but I was still on 220 flights wow. um, last year. So I was still flying a lot, still getting a lot of things done, um, um, still ministering. Um, and in 2019, I was also on 220 flights. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, in 2018, I was on 200 flights. Yeah. So I, I don't get to, you know, I'm a little... When it comes to you know social media, you know people don't really know where I am because I never like post it. Yeah, where you are, you know, yeah. and so so they don't realize how much. Yeah, <laughs> you know how much I'm I'm literally in the airport, you know, you know four or five times a week, you know, and wow. so we're we're in the airport all all the time, uh, but every week, you know, uh, most times in the midweek we get to be home. And, uh, you know, we get to enjoy, enjoy the home. You know, I live about two minutes from my home church. Okay. Uh, about, about literally 300 yards from my pastor's house. Okay. So I'm close. We like being, we like being home. You know, we're in the country in Bellevue, 1.8 square miles. You've visited here before. It's the yeah, I've been, I've been to the pastor's house. So it's like, I was right by your house too. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. So yeah. So yeah. So, so I'm literally from my pastor's front door. If you look straight across to the left, my house is right over there. There's wow. a fence. My okay. house is right over there. And so, and I think those roots are important. Absolutely. I think roots, I think roots are important. Family's important. It brings a stability and an effectiveness for ministry. Yeah. Yeah. So last year during around June, there was, of course, uh, George Floyd, there was a viral video. He got murdered and in the, of course, after that happened, protests broke out, riots broke out all around the world. There was a whole lot of civil unrest. And you felt led by God to go right to where it was happening, right in the, the, the pressure point, which is in Minnesota. And you flew there. Can you talk about, you know, what, what God led you to do? Of course, it was a viral moment where you were preaching to anyone that would hear. It was so amazing to see. So can you just talk about that experience? Yeah, I, um, you know, it, in December 2019, you know, the Lord spoke to me and said, Victor, um, I do not want you to release any of your books. I don't want you to create a podcast and I don't want you to do any videos on social media. I just want you to be quiet, keep your mouth shut. And, and I just want you to, uh, I, I, and he goes, but I'm, I'll still let you do your little Instagram posts and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and so and he shut me down, bro. He shut me down. Wow. In December 2019, he shut me down. Mm. And I didn't know how long that was going to last. I thought it was going to last years. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what this was, but I just obeyed. Yeah. 
And January passed, December, January, February, and then March comes, and then the national shutdown happens. Yeah. And now with the shutdown, the only way to get a message out is through a video, through a podcast, through a book. Yeah. So the Lord said, you the Lord said, Don't you dare do it. She said, if anybody calls you to do something like a podcast or interview or anything like that, he said, You can do it. Uh I said, Okay. He said, But don't you initiate anything? I said, Yes, sir. So I didn't. And bro, on this shutdown, I'm still on this shutdown, and like uh I was shut down by God before the shutdown happened in America. That's a word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while this is happening, this national shutdown, bro, I'm watching like the world just go into complete chaos. Yeah. Man, I'm watching all these things and the Lord's not, he just has me quiet, just nothing. And I'm like, wow, like God's not letting me do a video or nothing. He just had me shut down, bro. And I'm like, so I wasn't doing anything. And then, March, April, May, end of May comes, and uh, uh, George Floyd is killed. The nation is in an uproar. Uh, there's division all across, and the Lord still has me on a shutdown. But then that next day, I woke up that morning, and the Lord said, Victor, it's been six months of, of your silence. He said, I'm releasing you. Wow. And I'm like, uh, are you are you sure, God? He goes, you go ahead. So I went into my office and I recorded a 20-minute video uh, of me just preaching to the world. Yeah. When I was done, the Lord said, delete it. That ain't it. Wow. I'm wow. like, uh, God, can you at least told me earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I deleted the video. Then I went on Instagram Live to try to talk to people. And, uh, and, and the Lord said, delete that. That ain't it either. So I literally went in my bed for, and sat down depressed, bro. I was depressed because God's releasing me to do something. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to do. Like, And so for six hours, I lay in my bed, like literally just weeping, depressed, under the covers. And then finally, after about six hours being in my bed, it was about eight o'clock at night. The Lord spoke to me and said, Victor, why don't you just go there? And when he said go there, I just began to start looking at flights. And the earliest flight out was from Atlanta the next day, which was six hours away. All of a sudden, that depression lifted off of me. Wow. And I booked these flights from Atlanta to go there. I called my pastor and said, Pastor, the Lord spoke me to go to Minneapolis in the middle of everything going on. Uh, I'm not going without your permission. Uh, if you tell me not to go, I'll to cancel these flights. He said, no, I feel like you're hearing from the Lord. You can go. Mm-hmm. So, bro, I went into, uh, it was like 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night. I told my wife what I was going to do. And my wife immediately like went into prayer. She started praying and praying and, and literally, you know, I stopped her in her prayer. I said, babe, I said, you you don't need to pray for me. I said that, bro. I said, Mm -hmm. I said, look, I said, the time for prayer is, is done. 
I said, I've been praying for six months. The next step is action. Wow. Yeah. I said, it's time to come out the prayer closet. And that's the problem with the church right now. A lot mm-hmm. of people staying in their prayer closet when the community is waiting for them to do something. Right, right, right. So I, I, I said, don't don't pray for me. I'm, I'm going. I said, we've already done enough prayer. The next step of obedience is to do something. So, bro, I drove six hours to Atlanta and got a rental car, dro- drove 23 minutes away from the airport where George Floyd died. I was expecting to see a few people because it was during the day. You know, I yeah. thought the people really came out at night. Yeah. I was expecting to just see a few people, pray for a few, few police officers, few protesters. But, bro, there, was, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people in that place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I before that video, I got to pray for about 100 people just in the streets saying, hey, I'm here from Florida. I'm just coming to pray for peace and unity. Do you have a prayer request? And they say, yeah, can you please pray for this community? Please pray for my family. Right there in the street, I say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking for you to touch them. I'm asking for you to bring peace. I mean, I pray for them right there in the middle of the road. Yeah. And then once I got into the spot about two blocks away from where I parked, uh, where George Floyd uh, was killed, once I got there, um, there was a guy there said, hey, I want to pray over these people. I mean, there was flowers everywhere. Uh, There's a random guy and said, hey, what's your name? He's like Peter. I said, hey, Peter, I want to pray for these people to bring hope. Do you mind taking a video for me mm-hmm. uh, while I do it? Prayed over them, shared the gospel. That video has been seen by over five, well over five million people. Eddie James shared it. Yeah. Uh, um, but when I left the next day, they brought a baptistry in the place that I pr- prayed. And they wow. started baptizing people in Jesus' name, wow. right where George Floyd Praise God. Uh, was killed. Yeah. Three days later, they brought another baptistry. They started baptizing more people. Thousands of people were around saying, yes, in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Bro, people from around the country saw the video. And I remember, I didn't even say my name in the video. Yeah, I just yeah, said, yeah. visit the website, upci.org, to find a local church near you thousands upon thousands of people typed in that website, bro. People found local churches in their cities across this nation, went to church that Sunday. They were born again of the water and of the spirit. Wow, that's amazing. So many things happened. I think the most beautiful thing that happened was how the church responded. Yes, sir. Bro, the churches, United Pentecostal Church International, led the charge going into the streets, praying for protesters, praying for police officers, uh, doing prayer rallies, led the charge. Uh, many denominations followed, fell in step. If you look, May 29th, if you look at May 29th, there wasn't a single preacher in, in, the, in, in the nation out in those streets preaching. Mm-hmm. Not, 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 a single, not a single one. After that moment, the floodgates opened up and all of mainstream Christianity were in the streets as well, singing, praising God, praying yes. for people. Uh, there were, there were, there were churches that were, when I went there, there were churches that were handed out food yeah. uh, for protesters. Uh-huh. And there were, um, there was a Billy Graham van there uh, where people were there to just help clean up the city 
Okay. But there was no preaching in the no streets. Preaching. Yeah, I remember it that. Just, it definitely wasn't. Yeah, it was no because remember we were under COVID restrictions. Yep. Yep. Everyone was locked down. in. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on locked in, locked in. But then after that, it's like the church left and they went out and uh, made it made a profound impact. Uh, just what everyone else did. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really a defining moment. Just seeing you being used by God in that moment, and it and what the aftermath was like. I definitely remember after that, all of a sudden, we started seeing so many people going out to the streets. We we were out in different places in Connecticut. So, man, it, it's just incredible seeing how you were obedient to God and used by God in such a pivotal moment because so much unrest was taking place. People didn't know what was going on. There was division in the church. You didn't come out there to say like to push a particular narrative, but you were literally preaching Jesus is the answer. And that's exactly what they needed to hear at that moment. So I'm so thankful that you were used by God to do what you did in that moment, because that was absolutely impactful. Man, thank thank you so much, bro. And thank you for uh, doing what you guys did in Connecticut. I I got to share some videos of you guys. Uh, I believe you were singing at the park as well, right? Yes, sir. I mean, uh, I got to share some videos of that. And that's what I wanted to really celebrate is that, man, we're in this together and uh, and we need one another. And for y'all doing what y'all did, I mean, that's what it's all about, bro. We're all we're reaching our communities and we're not here to push a, an agenda. You know, uh, we're here to just declare Jesus name. And, and I believe that the gospel has the ability to transform human spirits, uh, to renew minds, to transform people by the renewing of their minds. And I believe that is the only thing that can really change a life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why I had that conviction uh, because bro, there were times I, I preached somewhere years ago in Alabama and, and I preached and uh, while I was there, I, you know, I, I was the only black black person there out of 300 people. I preached. People of God were touched. People were baptized. After the service, the pastor came up to me. He said, you don't understand what just happened. He said, I have six members in my church uh, that used to be in the Ku Klux Klan. Wow. He said they were in the Ku Klux Klan before uh, they, they became... Christians before they converted were born again of the water and the spirit. And he said, and you wouldn't believe what they just told me. He said, they just told me these six former Ku Klux Klan members. He said, they just told me that you are one of their favorite preachers. Mm. Wow. That, that's saying see, a lot. You, you see now, now what is that? I, I, that no, no country can make love happen. Right. Come on, bro. But but when the gospel, the gospel, see, people think the gospel is just, okay, you, you, they, people think living for Jesus is just being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, uh, living a life of holiness, walking the news of life. But there's supposed to be steps of transformation. The Bible says we're supposed to yield our members unto the spirit as we yielded our members unto the world. What yeah. does that mean? That means there's supposed to be some actions that flow out of this transformation. Yes, sir. And and so what people have been frustrated with is that people that obey the gospel, they just stay there. And they don't try 
to uh, minister or 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 preach love and and display love and be an example of love. They just kind of say, "Well, I'm saved, so I don't have to do anything else." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But true Christianity is 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 an action. It's 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 there's we're supposed to be doing something. We're supposed to be supposed to be doing something. So so I'm so thankful that we responded to that step and we actually did something and and where it was more than just praying at home, right? Yeah. Like there's a time for prayer, but there's a time to get out. And the world was waiting on us to do that. The world was waiting on us to do that. And I feel like more of that's going to happen. I feel like the church is just going to be put on display, but we just, uh, we got a lot of work to do. I'm excited about it, but we got a lot of work to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you're, you're absolutely, like I said, a great voice in this generation. We're all looking up to you. We're all watching you and following your example. I'm so thankful for you. Um, would, would you have any advice for younger ministers, younger people that are trying to go after the call of God, trying to do what God has called for them to do, but they're kind of stuck in their journey and they'd need some, you know, some leadership. What would you have to say to someone like that? Uh, you know, I think, I think the biggest, um, thing is if someone's stuck it's what i preached the message called sick of the palsy yeah yeah uh, years ago and i talked about you you will never become israel until you're sick or be, of being jacob you know you, you'll never become paul until you're sick of being saul you'll never become abraham until you're sick of being abram yeah and so uh somewhere there has to be a desperation uh, to be used by God above everything else, above uh, small pursuits, above above everything, and 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 you can't. There will be people that the only way for you to please them, and this is relevant for this time, and I feel to speak this right now. There, there are people that the only way to please them, they're friends. The only way to please them, and the only way for the friendship to be continued is for you to get out of the will of God. Wow. It's, it's for you to not obey God. And so we live in a generation where everyone's with the social media and things like that. And so they want to please people. But, but in their pursuit of pleasing people, they, they are disobedient to the call of God. Because yeah. they're afraid to step out because they know their peers won't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be like, who do you think you are? And I'll never forget when I was teaching so many Bible studies at my home church. Somebody got super angry. Uh, a friend of mine got super angry and blew up on me because I was teaching so many Bible studies. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Victor, are you, who are you going to please? To, 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 to please them, you have to get out of my will. Wow. He said, but, it, but staying in my will, you're probably going to lose this friend. Mm-hmm. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. So I've made a decision to please God and to obey his will over losing a reputation, friendships, whatever in, in the process. You love everybody, 
but some people are being so controlled by a media narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That they're scared to do something for God because they're scared they might be criticized. So, so once you get a call from God, you need to, that's an invitation to preparation. That's an invitation to consecration. That's an invitation to sacrifice. Uh, and so you've got to sell out to God. You have to sell out to it. You have to give your everything into it. It's like I said, many are called, but few consecrate yeah, yeah. themselves to that call. So give yourself to it. Believe in God. If, if you know that's come from God, believe in God and start preparing yourself. Uh, do a, uh, do a, a, a one to three year plan in your life of how much you want to pray, study, uh, read your Bible and or how many souls you want to reach in this next one to three years. Do that, that plan and start putting a program and a path together in your own life to fulfill that plan. Because think about what's required for you to get to where God's calling you. Yeah. And put a plan into process and execute that plan. So you got to start preparing. Wherever God's saying you're going, you got to start preparing for it. See, some people say God said this is supposed to happen, but they don't prepare for it. And right. it's not going to happen if you don't prepare for it. Right, right. The Bible says that the uh, that the person that didn't know the master's will um, is 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 the person that didn't know the master's will, and so he didn't do his will, is worthy of a few stripes. Yeah, yeah. But he said, but he that knew his master's will and prepared not, not himself. Mm -hmm. is worthy of many stripes yeah yeah so once you know god's will you got to prepare yourself so i tell people that on the golf course while i never preached before you know what i did i bought myself a passport wow <laughs> i got prepared yeah yeah i never even preached yet mm -hmm. but i said but i got to get in position so when the call comes you'll be I'm ready. ready to answer yes sir and one of my first calls to preach was from the Yukon in Canada. Oh, okay. So right away, I'm saying? right away, right away. Yep. That was one of my first uh, uh, places that I got to preach was the Yukon. And so, uh, and so I said, you know what? I, and this was before, you know, people really use their iPhones for GPS all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said, you know what? God said I'm going to be evangelizing, so I need to buy myself a, a GPS. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what I did. I bought myself like a hundred fifty dollar GPS, and I never even preached yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was so persuaded of my call that it affected my day to day decisions. Yes, sir. So I, that's what I want to tell people: you got to get so persuaded of your call that it affects your day to day uh, decisions. It should affect who you date. It should affect who you marry. It should. It should affect every iota of your life absolutely you know you know my my wife one of the fir first things before i ever told her i liked her or was interested in her i had a whole questionnaire for her <laughs> it's like where do you see yourself in five years can you see yourself traveling do you like travel yeah if she said no i like staying home then it wouldn't have then worked. 
it, it won't work because where I'm headed, it's not going to work. But you know what she said? It has been a dream of mine to travel. I always wanted to travel. So I was like, come on, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so what people see, see what happens is people get a call from God, these young people, and and they're not doing any steps of preparation. So they start, so they're making bad decisions or decisions that are off course of where they're trying to go. Yeah. Get a plan in place, start preparing yourself. God's going to guide and God's going to open up the door. There has not been a door open to me that I wasn't prepared for. Wow. Wow. That's, that's life-changing advice. And I'm so glad you, you were willing to share that. This has been an absolute blessing to have you on this podcast. I'm so thankful that you took the time out of your very busy schedule, as you talked about, to share to help. And this is going to bless so many people. I'm just so thankful, bro, that you took this time. And I pray that God will bless you for it. Man, thank you so much for having me, man. What a, what a privilege, bro. You know, you got my contacts, stay in touch. Yes, sir. And I'm looking forward to getting to uh, see, see you, you and the fam uh, in Connecticut in a few days. Yes, sir. All right. So this has been another episode of the interlude with Drew, as I always say, only what you do for Christ will last. Take every day, one day at a time and keep it pushing. This has been the interlude with Drew. Until next time, God bless you all. It's the interview with Welcome to The Interlude with Drew.